Welcome back to the pregame beer podcast, the only podcast to keep you buzzing well into extra innings. My name is Todd Surbound. I'm, jo- I'm joined once again by a very ecstatic current Quinlan. And we're going to talk some baseball today. But before we do that, I'd like to remind everyone that Pregame Beer Podcast is brought to you by WTP Sports. That is We the People Sports. Go to WTPSports.com to read some cool articles and uh, get some cool merch. Yeah, if you're not into baseball, this is not the podcast for you because this is going to be a straight baseball podcast. I don't give a shit about what's happened anywhere in any other sport. I know it's March Madness. I know there's still NFL free agency. I know hockey and NBA is kicking off. I don't give a fuck. This is my podcast. I know there's also been a lot of trailers that got dropped. Um, We're not going to talk about that. None of that bullshit. This is a straight MLB podcast. Uh, We're going to do all 30 Major League Baseball franchises. We're going to talk some, talk some, talk some sports ball, some stick ball. I'm pretty psyched. I tried to talk a little bit about Toy Story. He physically hit me. I literally abused his ass. I have never seen Kern Quinlan more excited. So if you're just looking for some cool guys to talk a little about baseball today, this is where to be. If you're not, go to WTPSports.com, go to our podcast section, and find some other guys to listen to, because I'm sure they won't be as, um... As close-minded as I'm going to be today. But if you're not into baseball, this is not the podcast for you. This is going to be the one podcast all year where I get to go all baseballed out on. I'm going to jizz my pants talking baseball. So if you're not feeling that, get the fuck out of here. If you are feeling that, well, come on in. I've got arms open. I'm ready to I'm ready to, to caress your head a little bit. You know, like a small puppy, maybe. Just like have you on my lap and say, hey, son, let's talk some, let's talk some baseball. So that's what we're going to do today. Well, uh... Let's start out west, because we have two teams that have actually started their season already, so that seems like a good place to start. The AL West! Yeah, we do have two teams that started their uh, season already. And those teams are the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland A's. The uh, Major League Baseball pulled this funny little practical joke on us where they said, if you want to watch the first pitch of the Major League season, you have to either, if you're on the West Coast, stay up till 2.30 in the morning, or if you're on the East Coast, wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, I'm on the East Coast, so waking up at 5.30 in the morning is a hard thing to do when you stay up till 1, uh, 1 a.m. anyway, like every morning, like I do. So I've been watching those games on, on the, uh, on the repeat, and, uh, Seattle's off to a hot start. Seattle is off to a hot start. They're 2-0, uh, they beat Oakland twice over in Tokyo. Ichiro has retired since the season started, so take that for whatever it is, but, but neither of those teams, neither of those teams are what we really want to talk about when we talk about the AL West. We want to talk about the Houston Astros. Because that's that's a goddamn all-star roster in one in one team. Uh, Bregman, Correa, Altuve, Brantley, Springer, Uriel. I mean, the whole fucking team is an all-star team. Verlander. Just got got an extension. Just got a two-year extension. He's 33 a year, I think, from what we're hearing today. So when you're looking at the Houston Astros, you're looking at a team that's an all-star team. They're going to be one of the favorites for the World Series. They're going to be probably a 100-win team. They are, once again, at the top of the American League. They are one one of the classiest organizations in all of Major League Baseball. If you're looking for how to run a franchise, the Houston Astros are how you run a franchise. They are the, maybe maybe not the team, but they are one of the 
teams uh, in baseball that you keep an eye on every year for the last two, three years because they are that good. They are that efficient. They are uh, an elite franchise. And we're expecting more of the same from the Houston Astros. In fact, there's no reason to believe they won't be the same because they have not done anything to get worse. I can assure you of that. They lost Keuchel. That's fine because they picked up Michael Brantley who's an all-time bat these last three or four years as far as getting on base goes. He's great uh, for average. He's great for finding gaps. He is a professional hitter, and I'm excited to see what he does at the top or in the middle of that lineup. And I say and or because that lineup's incredibly flexible with the type of ball player that Houston attracts. The entire uh, The entire lineup can hit anywhere from one through nine, and that's fantastic when you're looking for versatility and a dynamic approach uh, offensively for the Houston Astros. So expect big things offensively and expect more of the same pitching-wise because between Verlander and Cole, that team, that rotation is going to be fucking set. And I'm I'm incredibly excited to see what Cole does his second year in the American League. When he came out and dominated the, the his first year, well, here he comes again year two, and he already knows what he's getting himself into. So... I'm expecting huge things from Garrett Cole this year. Number two, it's not going to be Oakland. I think this is the year the LA Angels hop up on top. Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, whatever the fuck they're calling themselves now. Uh, This is the year that they take a step towards the right direction. I don't know if it means that they're well over 500, but I think this is the year they could be, uh, they could be near 500 at least. So, wait, so does that mean you don't think Oakland's going to be 500? Little story, I don't think Oakland's going to be 500. Okay. I think last year it was Oakland's, like, Moneyball has this thing where the last, like, the last time it worked, it it worked and then it failed the next two or three years. So it's one of those deals where once Billy Bean finds a code, like, it works for a year, and then he has to kind of, like, rebuild the team and and focus on, like, how are they going to, like, fill these holes that people can then exploit. Because he kind of takes the league by surprise, then everyone adjusts, and he's got to, like, pull it back in and figure out how he's going to work with that. So, that means that this is the year the Angels take second place. Oh boy, second place. Well, it's a stride for them. Um, Mike Trout just had the biggest extension in the history of extensions, uh, so good for him. That, to me, doesn't mean a thing to like how the team's actually going to play out, because the roster's set. Everyone knows that between him, Otani, and Upton, and Simmons, that people are going to hit, people are going to play defense, and Pujols, Pujols is still there too. The real question is, is that rotation ever going to come to come to play? And honestly, it feels like every year somebody or everybody gets hurt in that rotation. So we have to find out if if that rotation sticks up for what it, uh, for their offense. Because that offense has a chance to be elite, borderline elite. It's that rotation, though, that concerns me. Because I don't think that that rotation is going to stay healthy. If they do, we'll be back at you midseason telling you how the Angels are, are on their way to being a wild card team. Uh, maybe on their way to 90 wins because if they if they can get anything out of their pitching staff, that's a team that could go, that could cause some headaches for people in October. Um, but until that point comes, we have to, we have to see if you know, it's a wait and see game with the Angels, which is unfortunate. But I mean, you this, obviously you obviously know better than me. I I'm probably not as high on the Angels. Um, show me before I believe. I guess you know. Well, you're going to see that theme, I think, pop up a lot this year because a lot of teams have made adjustments and a lot of teams have made moves that are going to be like, 
well, show me and I'll believe. Because this was a very fluid year for baseball as far as transactions went. A lot of powers were shifted. Um, to me, the Angels are just kind of built. You know, up between Upton, Otani, and Trout, if they can all stay healthy, that's a that's a 2-3-4 or a 3-4-5 that a lot of teams would die to have. So if you can if you can get production out of the middle of that lineup, you're going to win a lot of games just by mashing baseballs. And if Cole Calhoun can step up to be anything like he was um, two years ago, three years ago, I'll, if Pujols can have an OPS over 750, that's going to be a good team. That's going to be a real good team. And also, a low a signing that kind of went under the radar, I think, this offseason, Jonathan Lucroy signed with the Angels. Um, he's an all-star catcher. That guy's an all-star. And I say that partly because catching in the American League and and Major League Baseball in general is at an all-time low, perhaps as far as talent goes, especially with Perez uh, on the injured list for the entire year because of, I think he got Tommy John surgery. Um, but also because Luke Roy is a damn good, he's a, he's a good contact hitter and he's a great defensive catcher. So when you're looking at a team that might have four or five all-stars on it, especially offensively, you're looking at a team that's probably going to be competitive for most of the year. So I expect good things out of the Angels. Finally, we get to talk about the athletics. Um, Oakland's starting off 0-2 over in Japan this year uh, against Seattle. Hot start. I don't think that's indicative of like how the you know division's going to go. I think Oakland... I do think Oakland takes massive steps back, but I think it's partly because the league takes massive steps towards adjusting towards what they did last year. The bullpen was fantastic. I don't think they're going to be able to just get to the fifth inning, though, and just call it a day. So I think the I think due to the lack and depth of starting pitching, Oakland takes some steps back. Um, Olsen and Chapman, though, take steps forward. I think Olsen's going to have hand surgery, though. I don't know how long he'll be out, but he's he's already, you know, put him on the, uh, put him on the injured list for two weeks. Because if a guy has surgery, he's not coming back to at least the stitches heal. So with Olsen already out, or um, then you have to rely on Chapman, and that's going to be, you know, that's a, that's a guy that's got to put the lead, put, put the team on his shoulders. And they lost Lowry. They added Profar. We'll see how that goes. Simeon's got to take got to take strides towards being a competent shortstop. I don't know if he will, because he's never been a great defensive shortstop. In fact, he's never even been a good defensive shortstop. So we'll have to see if he can take strides to being the guy that Oakland needs him to be. Because if they're going to miss one of their corner, one of their franchise players, you're going to have to have people step up. And over the uh, in the Japan series, it looks like Stephen Piscotty stepped up. It'd be great if they could get him back to form like he was three, four years ago when he was in St. Louis, when he was the player that people thought you might be able to build a, build a team around. Maybe, maybe not build a team around, but be a player that you could plug in the middle of that lineup at the two or the five spot where you'd be a dynamic gap to gap, hit 20 home runs a year, maybe hit 270. You know, just a guy that you, you knew was going to come through if you had men on base. That's the type of guy that you want in the middle of that lineup. We'll see if Piscotti can get back to the point he was. And if he does, then maybe Oakland gets above where I'm thinking they're going to be. And, of course, you have Chris Davis, who's going to be – he's going to hit 247. He's done it the last three, four years. Um, the question is – is he gonna? How's that OPS gonna look? Is he gonna max? Is he gonna you know maximize his potential when he's hitting the ball? Is he gonna drive the ball? I think he will. I still think he finishes with 45, 48 home runs because his name is Crush Davis for a reason. The question is, what does he do when he's not hitting home runs? Is he hitting doubles? Is he is he finding gaps? Is he striking out? We gotta we gotta see because he can hit two forty seven and still be a dynamic bat. There's nothing wrong with that. 
So we'll have to see what type of player Chris, Dav- Chris Davis is. But I think that's where Oakland will slot in nicely at. So for a team that has a strong bullpen but not a strong rotation, we saw another team in the American League, uh, the Rays last year, employ some funky strategies to try to get around that. Is that mm-hmm. something you think Oakland could be looking at? Well, they tried it in the playoff last year. They tried it in the one-game playoff against New York and failed drastically. Uh, Melvin doesn't come across as the kind of guy who's going to want to dick around with his rotation to the point where he's starting where he's starting a guy for two innings or he's starting a reliever for two innings and then going to matchups per se. Um, I could see it getting to that point if it really isn't working because they're going to come in. Oakland's going to come in with the expectation to compete because of what they did last year. And because positionally, the position players on the team are a team that should be in the playoffs. That rotation is brutal, though. There's nobody in that rotation that gets you excited. So, you got to find a way to get around it. So, I could see at the start of the year them trying to go with a traditional approach and then taking it that direction. But I don't think they're going to start that way. And I don't think at any point are they going to gain the ground necessary just because of the depth of the American League. You're looking at six or seven teams in the American League that could that could end that, uh, that could get into the playoffs. Or eight. Uh, yeah, let's go eight. We'll go eight teams in the American League that could easily get into the playoffs. And I think that the Athletics are maybe eighth on that power ranking. Which stinks for them, but it's a deal if you didn't address your starting pitching, you're already hurt at one of your key positions, and the American League is just deep this year. So I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that the Athletics are going to take a step back. I don't think that's indicative of anything they're going to do in the future. I think they could be a great team next year or two years from now. But they've got to work, they got to work on getting better. Which, I guess now you get the two teams left, which is Seattle and Texas. And I don't think it's as cut and dry as everyone says it is. I do think Texas is a step above Seattle in the long run. I think by the end of 162 games, you'll see Texas at the top of that division. Uh, and it's mainly because of that lineup. That lineup has a lot of interesting bats in it. And I'm gonna, I am got the list right here of guys that I'm interested in. So you have... Gallo, who's, I think he's hurt already, which sucks, but he'll be back. Odor, Elvis Andrews, Shin Su Chu, and Nomar Mazzara. These are guys that I'm looking at uh, for that lineup in Texas. And if they all have the year that they could have, you got a team that might that might sneak its way up to the two seed in that division. That might even sneak its way up, to the, up into the playoffs. But once again, you look at even if they have the year that they could have, you're looking at a team that doesn't have the pitching that they're going to need. Texas has not gone out and addressed their pitching situation. They have not done it for the past two, three years. It's been an issue for them, really, ever since that their their dynasty started, even back in 2010, 2011, even when they had Cole Hamels in company, because they've always been a little short on that, on the arm side, on the arms race of, the, of Major League Baseball. There's always been someone better than them as far as their arms win, and that's how they lost those World Series. Um, and I think that's how they're going to fall short this year, too. I think at the end of the day that the fourth best team in that division, I think they're fun to watch. I think there's going to be times where you're, when you know when your team goes into Texas, I think you're going to want to watch those games because I think they're going to be fun games. But I think your team's going to win those games uh, because of your pitching and Texas's lack of pitching. Pitching. Um, I think this is a big year for Mazzara, though. I think this is this is the year he. He turns into that perennial all-star that people in Texas think he could be. I think Joey Gallo is what Joey Gallo is. I think he's a 200 hitter that hits 50 home runs, which is 
incredibly entertaining, but you know, it's not gonna win you. It's not gonna win you championships. He's a guy that you want to have in your team for sure, but he's a six or a five hitter at best. So that's what I think is gonna happen out of Texas. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything groundbreaking that's gonna be coming out of that organization. But I would also quickly. I I would like to see what happens with Rugnet Odor because Odor. Odor took a step back last year. He's not a notoriously uh, great get-on-base guy. He's definitely more of a find-the-gap, drive-the-ball guy when he's up to the plate. And if he doesn't do that, he's probably striking out or he's probably not you know, getting on base at all. I'd like to te- see him take a step in the direction of a guy that can get on base while also driving the ball into the gap and um, you know, driving the ball over the fence because he's one of the more prolific offensive second basemen in the American League. He's one of the more prolific offensive second basemen in baseball when he really gets himself cooking. So I'd like to see him take more steps towards that direction, be a more consistent hitter, be a guy that, you know, you can count on in that franchise to be um to be the guy, to be the guy up the middle with Andrews. So looking forward to watching Odor hit this year and I hope he I hope he takes steps in the right direction towards being a franchise player. Now I don't like you being so harsh on Seattle. They're right now the best team in the league. They I are. think you got to put some respect on the name for They them. are the best team in the league right now. And I don't think they're as bad as everyone says they're going to be. But the AL West is not as bad as everyone thinks it's going to be either. Um, Seattle is in this position where they don't have a great... I don't think they have a great bat in that lineup uh, besides Mitch Hanniger. Mitch is... He's an all-star right-handed bat. He's already got one home run on the year. He's a guy that had a war last year better than Nolan Arenado. I think he was at 5.7, 5.8. Arenado was at a 5.6. Uh, that tells you the type of bat Mitch Haniger is. He was their, I believe he was their lone representative in the All-Star game last year, which means the players recognized it, the commissioner recognized it. Mitch Haniger is the real deal. The problem is everybody around him is either old and aging or young and undeveloped. That's an offense that is going to go through incredible droughts. It's unfortunate because they're wasting one of the premier young right-handed hitting talents in the league. And last year it felt like they were a team that if Felix Hernandez was five years younger, six years younger, you were going to have a team that was maybe on its way to the playoffs. For sure was going to get one of those wild card slots. For sure was going to, you know, cause some trouble. Was for sure going to be better than Oakland last year and you know at least be a five seed the problem is is that that pitching depth is taking another hit they traded away their best arm uh from last year and James Paxton to New York uh in return they gained a man with the last name of Sheffield no relation to Gary I don't think it's going to be enough near enough to compete in any way over the long long term season uh that is baseball I think they fall short by a lot, and I think it's one of those years where you're going to see a lot of guys get dealt. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Seager gets dealt, if a guy like Encarnacion gets dealt at the deadline. Um, Tim Beckham's off to a great start in Japan playing short. I think he's hitting like 750 after two games. With uh, I think he's got a couple of bombs already. Uh, that's not going to keep up. He's never projected that way. He'll fall off eventually, whether it's whether it's uh, the second March 28th comes in opening day is here, or... Um, if it's, you know, by the time you get midway to the All-Star break, those guys never, you are what your numbers say you are. 
Um, at this point, Tim Beckham's not going to turn into the amazing ball player that everybody hoped he would when he was a rookie. He's not that. He's a utility guy at best. On Seattle, because of their lack of roster depth, he's the starter. Uh, he's not going to look like that by the end of the year. So, good start for Beckham, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to last. So, that's a team that also finishes at the bottom of its division. Woo! I need a break. I need, like, a five-second five, five second break to uh, calm the old mouth down. So, Todd, do you have anything to say? Uh, this episode of Pre-Game Beer is brought to you by Beer. <laughs> beer. Drink it. It's good. Beer is good. Beer is fantastic. All right, so that's the AL West for you. We have the NL West up next, which means we have to talk about the defending National League champion, LA Dodgers. Put some respect on that. That's two-time. 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 Defending NL champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Looks like... Let's talk about the little saga that happened uh, earlier this offseason, or not too long ago, honestly. Bryce Harper, as you all know, signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. It's what he did. He went there for big-time, long-term dollars. Was it 13 and 330? 13-330. Reportedly, the Los Angeles Dodgers were willing to offer Bryce 4 and 45. Reportedly. That, my friends, is an it's it's an insane number. It's a hundred and eighty million over four years. That doesn't happen very often. In fact, it never happens because most people that would see that number, most people that would see four and forty five, would go to Los Angeles. Bryce decided not to. It's his God given right to decide that he would rather have the long term money than the short term big money. But L A went hard. To try and get on the level of the American League teams that have knocked them out lately. Because what's L.A. fallen short of the last few years? It's their offense in the in the uh, World Series. You haven't been able to compete with Houston. You haven't been able to compete with Boston. So you decided, let's go and try and get the biggest left-handed outfield bat on the market. Well, you failed. You failed. You failed miserably, in fact. In fact, you weren't even close by the end of the day. So where does that leave you? Well, you signed A.J. Pollock. Okay, good deal. But you traded Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig to the Reds for cap space. Okay. I hear cap space is real good. Okay. No, not really. Not if you don't do anything great with it. Not if you don't do anything great with it. But lucky for you, Los Angeles, you're still the best team in that division by a landslide. You want to know why? Because everybody else in your division, except for the San Diego Padres, they didn't get better. They didn't get better in any way. They might have stayed the same, but you guys are still on top because of your fucking division. And you know what? You might still be even maybe the best team in the National League. Just because, I mean, who's really going to take your place? You've been the best team in the National League by a lot. By a lot the last two years. But let's talk about your team. Kershaw's already hurt, so that's not great. You're already looking at losing starts to him. The big question mark this year is if Walker Buehler is going to take that next step to being the franchise guy, the guy that replaces Clayton Kershaw, the guy that can take some of the strain off of the great Clayton Kershaw's arm. That's asking a lot of a guy, but he showed that he's got a lot of potential on that start he had in the World Series. Was it Game 3? It was. It was Game 3. Walker Buehler came out in Game 3 and pitched a hell of a game. 
uh, it ended up being a no decision for him. But needless, needless to say, you saw the potential. You saw the look. You saw the pitches of a guy that can probably lead an organization, that can, prob- that can most definitely lead a rotation. It looks like this is the year the Dodgers are going to look to him to do it. They're really counting on him to be that guy. Personally, I hope he is that guy because I like it when the Dodgers are good. I like it when teams that are supposed to be the, the villain – the the team that you have to look for the team that everybody you know that everybody can easily hate the Dodgers are the team that everybody can easily hate I like it when they're good because it gives you it gives you somebody to to root against on Sunday night baseball it gives you somebody to check the check your you know your box scores against to go oh, Jesus Christ I'm so glad they lost so if Walker Bueller can step up and be the guy that the Dodgers think he can be and that most of the baseball thinks he can be I don't think the Dodgers take a step back this year because it gives them enough time to to roll in to Clayton Kershaw getting up and running. Also, not just Walker Bueller, but a guy that we have to see if he can come back and be healthy. We need to see if Corey Seager can come back and be healthy. Because Corey Seager lost all of last year to injury. He's going to come back. He's got to get his timing down. He's got to get his feeling down. He knows that L.A. had Machado in and that they were courting him and trying to keep him here who knows what you know that would have meant for Seager's future and whether whether he would have been at short or second or third or fourth first or whatever but Seager's got to come back he's got to get his confidence back and he's got to show that he can play because after losing an entire year to injury it's really hard to come back into baseball especially and just come in and hit a 98 mile per hour fastball or lay off a you know an 84 mile an hour slider you've got to be you've got to come back and get your get your feet underneath you so I'll be interested to see what Seager does but overall, there's no reason that that team isn't winning the NL West just because of how weak the NL West is going to be. Let me tell you exactly why they won't win it. Please. Josh Turner shaved his beard. It's Justin Turner. Justin, Justin Turner. Turner. Yeah, Josh Turner's a country singer. Yes, he is. Rich, sultry voice. Love that guy. That guy is probably really, he's probably really attractive too. I don't even know. However, Justin Turner, all of his power came from his thick gingery beard uh-huh and all of a sudden you shave that away he's just another pussy in the batting lineup he's and not gonna hit as many home runs he's not gonna bring the same kind of power really he's just gonna be a strikeout every time it comes up now in that case folks you heard it here first justin turner not even a 200 hitter anymore he goes from from a batting title candidate to not even a 200 hitter just because he shaved that fucking beard current tell the audience what happens when you shave a glorious ginger beard Yours wasn't even as glorious as his was. Oh, I yeah, but like, does he have dimples? So we need someone to tell us: Does Justin <laughs> Turner have dimples? <laughs> if he does, he's a .05 hitter. If he doesn't, maybe he can hit one hundred. But if he does have dimples, that's too adorable. He can't be a professional baseball player. That's why I'm not a professional baseball player. Yeah, that's why. That's, that's, that's the only reason, Kern. Oh, dear. But he was out there looking like one of the the people north of the wall from Game of Thrones. He was trying. He was trying. Now he just looks like another yuppie from L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Get your shit together, man. Yeah. Yeah, Turner. Get your shit together. Woo! All right, don't even ask me who finishes second in this division because it's a fucking shit show. So we're just going to run down the four remaining teams. You know you want to say it. The San Diego Padres! They went out and signed the best 
infield free agent we've maybe seen since A-Rod, dare I say? Dare I say I'm right. Point is that the San Diego Padres went out and signed the guy, Manny Machado, to a 10-year, $300 million contract to play shortstop and third base. By the end of the year, he will be playing third base on the regular because of the emergence of the young phenom Fernando Tatis. This is a young man who is going to hit ropes into the gap that end up going over the fence. This is a young man that's going to hit balls into the gap that end up being three bases. This is a young man whose offensive ability is going to shock people from around the country. I cannot wait for him to get on the diamond on a regular basis. He's also incredibly solid with the glove. They're going to have a young uh, double play combo of Luis Urias and Fernando Tatis for years to come. I'm very excited. That infield of Tatis, uh, Hosmer, Urias, and Machado, along with Francisco Me, I always forget how to say his name. We'll get it by the end of the year because the Padres are going to be on a lot of nationally televised game games. Francisco, we're just going to say Meja. Look him up. M-E-I-J-A, I believe. He's the best uh, offensive catching prospect in baseball. That infield is going to be the best infield in baseball in two years. Book it. That's why I picked him to win the World Series in 2021. This is going to be a team that catches fire in the second half of the year. This could be a team that catches fire early if they're feeling froggy, folks. They need They need pitching help. That's what they need. I hope they get it. I hope that they're in it kind of sort of uh, going up towards the trade deadline and they make a couple of trades like kind of, you know, they really put some fire under people and, you know, get people a little nervous because I would love to see the Padres uh, getting that national recognition that they deserve. They're going to get it anyway because they went out and signed Machado, but that lineup is darn near a playoff lineup already, folks. They're very close. The Padres are very, 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 very close. I'll pick them to finish second. In the division, even though I know it's going to be the Colorado Rockies. It's pretty simple, guys. I know they lost some of their bullpen help with Ottavino, but Kyle Friedland's going to come back. He's going to be better than he was last year. John Gray's going to be better than he was last year. It's just a simple point of development, kids. You've got Blackman, Story, Dahl, Desmond. Desmond's going to have a better year than he had last year. There's no way he's as bad as he was last year um, because he's going to be slaughtered into one position. Probably center field. It should be center field. Um, and this is a team that's just... There's there's no reason for them to take a step back, really, because they didn't lose anything. You're going to get 90 wins out of the Rockies. So I know I said the Padres are going to finish second, but that's just because I have a huge boner in my pants thinking about the Padres being good because I called it a while ago. But there's no reason for the Rockies not to finish second. Kern. Yes? I just want to point out... Yes? We already know you get a huge boner for mm-hmm. the moms. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to not have a huge boner for the fathers. Oh. Oh, you got me there. Way to contribute, too. Yeah. Way to, it's way a to, little, little boner humor for your folks to, at home. Way to hop in there when yeah. no one was expecting it. Little little fun break in there. Yeah, because who fucking cares about the Rockies, am I right? They're a very boring team, to be honest. You think? They, they just don't excite me. I do like their uniforms. They do have nice uniforms. They, they don't just go with the traditional wear white, wear gray. No. Which I'm all about. Are they still wearing those weird little vests? Um, Sometimes. Oh, I love a good vest. That was really big back in like the early 2000s. Late 90s. 
Do you remember um, when, um, maybe you don't, because you, actually, you probably don't, but when um, Fenway hosted the All-Star game? Buddy, of course not. Okay, well, that's what they had, like, for the All-Star jerseys. It was, like, red vests, and, like, I think they were, like, green vests for the National League. So it was, like, vest and vest. Because, like, fuck sleeves. Sure, fuck sleeves. <laughs> Free game beers, out on sleeves. Out on sleeves. So... But yeah, the Rockies would probably be about the same as they were last year because like they didn't really do anything. To Which change. means just good enough to not do anything important. It's true. It's true. Just good enough not to do anything important. 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 They're not doing anything in Portland either, folks. They are not, not playing the Sea Dogs. They're not coming. To Breaking Portland. news: the Colorado Rockies are not playing the Portland Sea Dogs this year. There it is. Um, and then after that, you get two teams that I think are going to be about the same again, which is Arizona and San Francisco. So we'll start with Arizona, who traded away Paul Goldschmidt for reasons. After Goldschmidt signed his five-year, $110 million contract with the Cardinals, I don't really know what those reasons are, but I guess who cares? Um, So the strength of that rotation is is officially, or the strength of that team is officially the rotation with Robbie Ray and Zach Greinke. You have two guys that are probably going to make all-star games right there. Greinke's um, been a real... He's been a real pillar in that organization, in that rotation for the last few years, uh, because he should be because of what he's getting fucking paid. But uh, that doesn't deny the fact that he's had a lot of success for that team. And I expect the same. Ray needs to keep up his success as well if they want to stay above the uh, 500 line. I don't know if they do that, because when you look at that lineup, that's a tough lineup to get on board with. You've got David Peralta in the outfield, who's probably going to be their best all-around hitter. But he's not even going to hit 30 home runs. There's no way he does that. Your 30 home run guy is probably Jake Lamb, and he's not been a very consistent bat his entire career. He looks like he's moving over to first, according to reports and according to what we've seen in spring training. So, But Lamb's really been a guy that has had a really hard time hitting left-handed pitching. And for him to just move over to first and have to be this everyday guy that you know, hits left-handed pitching and hits hard right-handed pitching. I mean, it's hard to see a guy hitting 30 home runs and having a respectable average uh, while not hurting your team in clutch situations. So we'll have to see if Lamb can take a step take a step towards, you know, being the elite franchise player that the Diamondbacks need him to be, which I hope he does because I actually really enjoy watching Lamb play because every now and then Lamb will do this thing where he – where he flashes his potential at you, or he shows you everything that he that he can be as a player. And uh, I want to see him do that all year round. I'd love to see him have a year where he's just kind of like the all-star player that, that everyone thinks he can be. So hopefully that's this year. Hopefully hopefully he's allowed to keep... Hopefully he, he keeps the Diamondbacks above above the 500 line, above, above really you know starting to sell everything off. Because I think he's got the talent too. I just don't know... I don't know if he's had if he's had the coaching or what it is, but that's a guy that definitely can do it. We just have to see if he finally takes the steps towards doing it. And then you get the shit show that is the San Francisco Giants. Because why not? Because who doesn't love a team that's literally stuck in the equivalent of baseball purgatory? Where you've got just enough talent to leave you going, man, we could be a playoff team. But you also lack just enough talent where you know, like, definitely not going to be a playoff team. Bumgarner. 
that's a name right there that should get you excited and make you think like you're going to the playoffs. The problem is, who the fuck comes after Bumgarner? Can you Pomerantz? No, no, Todd. No, not Pomerantz. I'm just trying to name Giants here, man. There you go. The problem is that nobody that the Giants don't have anybody that follows Bumgarner. Not realistically. Not someone that you can count on to give you serious innings right now. It's always possible that somebody emerges later in the year or somebody like... Pomerantz. He has had a decent spring. All right, let's talk about Drew Pomerantz. Pomerantz did have a decent spring. Or at least last time I checked, he was having a decent spring. But realistically, the Giants really don't have a two. They have a one and then a bunch of fives. Um, so what do you do with that team? Because you didn't trade any of them away when you could have. So you've got a bunch of... You have, you have Bumgarner and a bunch of fives. And then you've got... Brandon Crawford, who's probably hitting 6th or 7th in your lineup, who was your only all-star from last year. You've got Brandon Belt, Longoria. I mean, what I mean, what are you doing if you're San Francisco right now? I, I saw an article saying that there's a realistic chance Sandoval plays left field. That's disgusting. I'd rather put Buster Posey out in left field and just call anybody else up to play catcher. But I know Sandoval's like a cult hero and... San Francisco, so maybe I'm naive to the situation, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, to put a guy who's a defensive liability as he is at third in a, in a position he's unfamiliar with. You are putting an offensive lineman in the outfield. It would appear to be that way, That yes. is not a recipe for success, folks. It is not. Breaking. Breaking. It is not a, it's not a recipe for success to put Pablo Sandoval in, uh, in left field. And that's your, uh, your Western Division previews. I'm going to take a uh, two-minute break. Woo! And I'll be back with a little bit more, but for right now I need to rest my fucking vocal cords because I've never talked this much in my life. All right. Well, while Curran's going to go get me a beer, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this fun feature on most podcasting networks where you can actually play the audio slower than usual. Uh, for this episode, I recommend half speed so you can understand what Kern is saying. Uh, it'll really help you out. Don't worry. A lot of, lot of information flying your way real fast. He's excited. You're excited. Baseball is back. But you got to be able to understand. And we're back. Sorry, I needed a break. It was, I was tired. Todd, any thoughts? Fun fact for you all. I need to poop. There it is. There it is. By this time, by the time you hear this podcast, Todd will probably have pooped by now. Guaranteed I did. Anyway, on to the NL Central. We have got ourselves a tight race. Probably too tight, honestly, to call. How tight? Not that tight, Todd. Don't get too excited. Anyway. I like like my races nice and tight. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Like a vagina? You've literally wasted a minute of their lives talking about how tight you like their raises. Yeah. That's fair. More entertaining that way, Curran. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, The NL Central is a division where literally there is no favorite, perhaps. Now there's probably a favorite, but let's be honest. Who really wants a favorite? I think the Cubs are going to get a slight nod in Vegas over the Brew Crew. Uh, Yeah, probably. But, it, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if any of the five teams really went out and won the division. Except the Reds. 
So I think the Reds are probably the weakest team in that division, strictly because of the pitching staff. And as we said last week, fuck teams named after colors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Even though they're technically the Red Stockings, but... Yeah. So, um, in literally no particular order as far as the NL Central goes, except the Reds will be going last. Because that's the one team that I don't think can win this division strictly because of their pitching. I'm going to start with a team that nobody's going to start with. The Pittsburgh Pirates. I would not have started with them. Nope. You want to know, put them forth. You want to know why I'm starting with them? I do want to know why you're starting with them. Because I used to live in Pittsburgh. That's a terrible reason. It is. But they've got the best pitching staff out of any team in the division. Okay. Um, Jameson Tyon's about to show you that he is indeed maybe the guy in the National League. He's that good. You're talking about a guy that, that if he was on a team that produced more offense... Uh, that's a stretch to call him the guy in the National League. Who would you... There's this fun guy in New York. There's this fun guy named Max Scherzer, and there's this fun guy named Jacob deGrom. I'm telling you, Tyon's that good. That good? That good. I think, anyway. He probably shits the bed and proves me wrong and makes me look like a fucking idiot, but Jameson Tyon's that good. You know what the crazy thing is about the rotation, though? What? If you look at the RotoChamp uh, website, which is a website you can use for baseball projections, fun little thing you can go on and just like check out, just check out, just check it out. Just, you know. Fun little plug for Roto World. Yeah, there's um one, there's only one guy in the five man rotation that this website believes will not finish with an ERA below four. So fuck that guy. Yes, but also that means there's four guys here that would be twos or threes in any other rotation. Ones, twos, or threes in any other rotation. Okay. So this is the best rotation perhaps in the National League. Well, no, no, because the Washington Nationals exist. So it's the second best rotation in the National League. After that, you've got a pretty serviceable uh, lineup. You're probably going to have Frazier hitting off. Um, and then two through six is kind of like, it's anyone's guess, but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with it. You're going to have some combination of Bell, Kong, Cervelli, Dickerson, and Marte all up in there. All guys that, under the right circumstances, could be all-stars this year or should be all-stars this year. I mean, if they play up to their potential. So I don't think it's like, you know, talking out of your ass to say that, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be a team to be reckoned with. The problem that they're going to run into is that the entire division is a team that you're going to, that you, you know, don't want to reckon with. So, and then finally, also, Pittsburgh has the best closer, definitely, in the National League. With the, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just gonna, it's just gonna happen. It's just a thing. Sure. You ever heard of Felipe Vasquez, Todd? No, but I love his name. It is a nice name. He's clearly white. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. You know what's funny is this website doesn't have Gregory Gregory Polanco starting, which is hilarious. Maybe it's not hilarious. Maybe it's sad. It's probably low-key sad. You know what's really not funny? What? That. Mm. Got me. Anyway, moving on to the Chicago Cubs. Who need a bounce back year from Chris Bryant desperately? Sure. Todd's contributing. Chris Bryan had a terrible year last year. Uh, this is the year he has to step up and take back the reins of best third baseman in the National League. A lot of people thought he was like maybe the best 
third baseman in baseball. Uh, that's definitely not a thing anymore with the emergence of Bregman and Arenado. Uh, Machado, if he moves back to third, is going to be up there. So Bryant needs to come back and take those reins back and be be the guy that everyone thinks he can be. He was hurt all last year, so I anticipate he's going to come back and be better. But um, until we see it, we won't really know. Uh, Wilson we'll, Contreras has a chance for him to take the next step forward towards being an all-star, a perennial all-star in the National League. And that rotation with Jose Jose Quintana is going to be the guy to watch in that rotation. He came over from Chicago, uh, the White Sox, that is, and had a terrible year. Um, and he needs to step up this year and, and rebound. Because if he doesn't, that's, I mean, he easily was the reason that they weren't three or four games better than, than they were last year. And that cost them. So uh, an emergence from Quintana and a bounce back year from Bryant is necessary for the Cubs to be the team that people think that they, you know, that they should be. Because that's, an, that's a roster that should be, honestly, uh, a roster that you talk about when it comes to World Series. That's a World Series roster. And they've underachieved the last few years. I mean, if by underachieved you mean didn't win the World Series? They didn't even make it to the, um, to the, to, I mean, they, they made it to the, the wild card game last year. Baseball's hard, man. Baseball is hard, but you... They lost two single-game playoffs to get eliminated last year. And you know what? In baseball, that's such a fucking fluke. Are you saying it's not going to happen again? It might. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to. I think they're still a top three team in the NL. Um, Maybe. They're top five. They're damn good. But it's frustrating because that's a roster that should be better, though, honestly. It you happens. Got, it's got, really hard to get back got, to the World Series. I This I know. This this is something I'm well aware of. But when you have a, a Bryant and Rizzo both in their primes, you need to be... You need to at least be in a, in a five-game playoff series. You can't be settling for one-game playoffs. That is unacceptable. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, um... Yeah, Cubs need to the Cubs basically I told you before this is a this is a division that doesn't um necessarily have a favorite. Well, the Cubs need to act like they're the favorite and they need to play like it. Because the Cubs cannot waste another year of Rizzo and Bryant um in their primes, in their controllable stages when their contracts aren't absolutely absurd. They cannot waste another year of that. You know who also can't waste another year? Me. Yes, Todd. Yes, you. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not getting any younger, and I am wasting my life away. It's very sad. The all-star lineup that is the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, okay, that makes sense, too. I was going to wonder why we're really growing me there. Yeah. Oh, wow. The Brew Crew. Once again, short on a rotation. They've decided for the second, third, fourth, fifth year in a row that the rotation doesn't matter. It's not something they're concerned about. You know what does matter to them? That fucking lineup. You know who their seven hitter is, Todd? Morgan Freeman. He would be a great seven hitter. It's Yasmani Grandal. I'm sure he's the next best option. Perhaps. Um, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, he's an all-star catcher. They signed him this offseason. He's here on short-term money, big-term potential. Uh, he's hitting seventh 
in a lineup that features, let's just run it down, Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Jesus Aguilar, Travis Shaw, Ryan Braun, Mike Moustakas, Yasmani Grandal hitting 7th, as we've already said, and Orlando Arcia uh, rounding it out at number 8. And then, of course, you'll have your pitcher down there. This is an American League lineup in the National League. This is, by far, the best lineup in the National League. There's no close second. This is a team that will outslug any team it faces. That's why they don't have a huge priority in uh, in the rotation. And it's also because they've got a great bullpen. Um, Josh Hader, potentially, if we're reading the tea leaves right, Craig Kimbrell, dare we say, dare we say? Hader and Kimbrell in the same bullpen would be insane. Absolutely insane. So it's something to look for. It's something to keep an eye on. But this is a team that's going to win games by out slugging you through the first five innings and then locking you down the four innings after. And if it's a, it's the same formula they used last year. And if they use it again and it works, you're probably looking at a team that gets just as far as it did last year. But there's a lot of ifs in there. You got to get to that sixth inning. It's not it's not a lock. It's not a given to say that you're gonna go. You're gonna get through those five innings with the lead. Because just about every team in baseball, every competitive team in baseball, has a damn good bullpen nowadays. Sure. Do you have do you have a different opinion? There's a team that won the World Series recently who does not have a very good bullpen, but we'll get to that later. I don't think their bullpen's as bad as everybody says they are. Let's talk more about the beer makers. We're done talking about the beer makers. That's it. We're trying to keep it short and sweet. Well, they have my favorite mascot because I like beer. This I know. This I know. Was there anyone on that on that just out of curiosity because this has been a a very heavy me podcast, the me heavy podcast. Uh, I'm mostly just kind of curious, like, what do you think the back-to-back MVP odds are? Um, I don't know where Yelich stands, uh, as far as the MVP odds go, but on my personal list, he's probably like seventh, eighth. Why so low? Just because the National League only gains talent. I mean, they have Machado. Harper's going to be better than he was last year, and he'll automatically garner votes. Acuna's going to have a full season. Soto's going to have a full season. Uh, if Bryant has the type of year that he could have, he he's going to be up there. I mean, winning an MVP is hard, and the National League might actually finally have more positional talent than the American League does. Not, like, team by team. I think the American League is the best teams, but as far as, like, stars go, I think there might be more stars in the National League. So, if you are a betting man, do you think the NL MVP comes out of the Central? Because we're talking Yelich, Baez, and maybe Bryant. Uh, and Goldschmidt. And Goldschmidt. And Carpenter. No, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of candidates in the Central. Um... Yes, but I, damn, if you had to, like, go for, like, best odds, I think it'd be in the central. But look out for those, for Soto and um, Acuna, man, because those two are going to get a lot of votes. If they have the year that people think they're going to have. So, that would, that's something I'd look at. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the AL, then. Wait a minute, we got two more teams in this National League Central. Ah. Uh... I'm sorry. 
There's so many teams. I forgot about the small park birds. Yeah, those birds that you said you're not afraid of last podcast. I'm not afraid of you, you fucking birds. Well, they're projected by a lot of people to be the best team in the NL Central. Are you afraid of them now? No. Okay. Fucking pigeons. He's a hockey term for baseball, but... Yeah. Look, no one needs to talk about how good that rotation is, even though Carlos Martinez is probably out for... most of the year? Eh. For half of the year. So, your best pitcher's out for half the year, but you finally have a lineup here that should be able to take you through most of that. Um, You've had the addition of Paul Goldschmidt, who... Fun story about Paul Goldschmidt. When I went to the World Baseball Classic in Miami a few years ago, we called him Dad, just because he looked like everyone's dad out in the field. He's got like that kind of, that kind of presence. So, fun story about me. He sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. Also, you've got a couple of young outfitters in, um, in St. Louis by the names of Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill. Uh, Tyler O'Neill looks like he could bench your mom and then her friends, so. Just keep that in mind. Just keep Tyler O'Neill away from your mom. Uh, but between him and uh, Bader and Jose Martinez, who's going to hit over 300 no matter what you say, you're going to have a loaded up outfield. So uh, this is going to be a team that wins a lot of games offensively earlier in the year. And then when Carlos Martinez comes back, they're going to win a lot of games just because they're better than everyone. So it's going to be fun to watch the Cardinals come through and, and make waves as an organization and make waves as a young team, uh, especially with the assistance of veteran Paul Goldschmidt. And they're not, like, I can't stress enough how I don't have a fucking clue who's going to come out of the NL Central because between the Pirates rotation and, I mean, the Pirates rotation is that good where I think they can compete with the lineups and lack of rotation of the three teams that we've just mentioned, where I have no fucking idea who's coming out of the NL Central. But I do know who's not coming out of the NL Central. It's the Cincinnati Reds. Those poor Reds. Those poor Reds that traded for Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig. Those, those poor Reds that have their hopes up only to see Scooter Jeanette go down for 8 to 12 weeks as we learned today. Those poor Reds that their best hope for pitching is probably Sonny Gray. Who's coming off of career terrible years in New York. Those Poor Reds who are going to score so many runs and lose most of their games anyway. That doesn't mean they're not going to be fun to watch, though. But it is a shame that it looks like Joey Votto is going to waste another year not going to the playoffs. Another year where he probably competes for a batting title. Another year where he's definitely going to the All-Star game. And he's not going to get a chance to go to the playoffs. It's a sad day. But they're definitely, they're definitely, definitely, definitely... Not going to be the NL Central representative. We can go. Good. To, we can go to the AL now. Let's go to the AL because I really have one question. What's the one question? Is there any chance anyone beats Cleveland? Uh, Minnesota. All right. Tell me a bit about the Twins then. Okay. Uh, the Twins are like the. Kind of like the young fun team in that division that isn't named Chicago. Uh, because they have this guy by the name of Max Kepler. Who already signed his extension from uh, last year. Um, 
And he's probably a guy that you could see hitting like second or fifth at some point in his career. Uh, he hits a lot of line drives, gap power, pretty quick. Um, knows the grindstone type player. They also had big time signings this offseason. Uh, CJ Crone, Nelson Cruz, Jonathan Scope, Marwin Gonzalez. All players that you could expect to see um, borderline all-star years out of. And they have a decent enough uh, rotation led by Jose Barrios um, where they could definitely make some waves in that division. The real question with that team, though, the real question is Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is the key to the madness that could be the AL Central because he's a gold glove candidate the second he steps on the field. He's got he might be the fastest guy in baseball. He's a guy whose tools when he was a prospect, everybody like compared him to like Mike Trout, but more of gap power instead of home run power. That's how good he was supposed to be. He hasn't been close to that. So Byron Buxton is the guy that we have to look out for and see if he can maybe come over the come under the tutelage of a Nelson Cruz, of a Marwin Gonzalez, and learn just how to hit. Hit professionally in baseball. Um because if he does, you're looking at a lineup especially one through eight, that doesn't fuck around. That's a lineup that's going to put up runs. And if you can do that, you're really cooking in a division where you've got one challenger, and that's the Cleveland Indians. Um, Cleveland only got worse, definitely. Uh, End up the playoff locks, they were already the worst? Yes, yeah, for sure. Their their best uh, acquisition this offseason was by far Hanley Ramirez, who took all of, you know, the last four months of last year off. So you're looking at a team that only got worse. Um, their best their best offseason acquisitions were minor league contracts. Um, your one through four is great, as it has been the last eight years, but after that, you have a minor league lineup. So they're relying desperately on that pitching staff who has no joke five all-stars in the rotation but how far does that get you that's the real question i'm not even kidding when i say five through nine is essentially a it's a minor league lineup by most concerns um it's not great francisco lindor is already hurt he's had a calf injury that he hasn't been able to get over yet jason kipnis has been old and aging quickly jose ramirez took a drastic turn for the downside last year uh, Carlos Santana was not very good at all last year when he played for Philadelphia. He, just because he's back in Cleveland doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good. So you're going to need a lot of things to go right for you out of that lineup for you to be uh for you to be the the, the best team in the AL Central. Luckily, you have a rotation that's going to let you figure it the fuck out in uh, Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco, Clevenger, and Bieber. Not a single one of those guys is projected to have an ERA over three six three. Um, so you're going to win most games just by not giving up any runs. So it's something to keep an eye on. But yes, the Indians are indeed vulnerable to the Minnesota Twins, a more complete roster, in my opinion, um, than what they're sporting in the terrible city of Cleveland. I'm not even going to talk about Kansas City or Detroit because there's no reason to. Fuck them. Honest to God, fuck Kansas City and fuck Detroit. There's no reason to talk about either of those teams. Except for Detroit has 
Nick Castellanos, who's going to be traded by the time we get to the trade deadline. He's not going to be there forever. If Arizona's, by the way, I'm going to put this out there now. If Arizona is in the running for a playoff spot by some work of God, Nick Castellanos is going to be playing for Arizona because they were in on him this offseason and they'll be in on him again because you know what they're going to need if they're going to be competing? They're going to need offense. Castellanos will give them that. They already like him. They've scattered him a bunch of times. Castellanos to the Arizona Diamondbacks is going to happen if Arizona's in the playoff race uh, by the trade deadline. Kansas City has nothing going for it. They are Except for some swell uniforms. Sure. Doesn't love baby blue. I guess, but like, besides that... Barbecue? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. At least the Chiefs were good. Yeah, no, just look forward to football season already if you're in Kansas City. Which we'll get to in a couple months, but don't look too, don't look too much forward you've to it. Got, you've got Whit Merrifield. That's it, Kansas City. Whit Merrifield, your second baseman, who's going to lead the league in stolen bases. He's probably, he might lead the league in doubles, too. Uh, but that's what you've got working for you. So your second baseman who's going to hit second in your lineup. Uh, he's never going to come home, though. Never. Because you've got nothing working for you. You know what team is, like, super interesting, though? Who's left in that division, Todd? Can you think of? Who haven't we talked about? Um, I don't even know. The Chicago White Sox. Oh, fuck them. No, you know what? It is a fuck them because they're not even going to be good. Can I, can I go in on the White Sox for a while? Yeah, go in on the White Sox. Please. Like, I'm not a huge baseball guy like I follow the sport but not to the extent that you do obviously uh-huh. but all I've heard for a number of years is oh White Sox are going to be so good coming up White Sox are going to be so good watch out for the White Sox and you know what they've just been trash yeah and this year it's louder than ever and I'm just like why why do we think that all of a sudden they're going to win this division why do we think they're better than Cleveland why do we think they're going to be better than Minnesota apparently like, just shut up about the fucking White Sox. Are you done? I am. Alright. I tend to agree with Todd, actually, on this, because your best player is probably going to be in AAA to start the year. Eloy Jimenez. Jose Abreu's in a walk year. Yonder Alonso was brought here to sign Manny Machado. Guess who's not in Chicago right now? It's Manny Machado. Uh, Wellington Castillo might be your only positional player that's going to be an all-star. You're... You're in a rough spot. You're in a real rough spot. You're you're really hurting. You're not even the best fucking team in your, your city. Get out of here. No, you're not. Uh, but you do have Yoan Mankata, who still can't hit the curveballs. Still can't hit top speed. Which is wild. You're talking about a guy that equates to a Robinson Cano comparison. I mean, people literally compared him to Robinson Cano, but faster. People That's, were so upset when you got traded. Yeah. They are like, oh, Sox gave up too much. Yeah. I'll take that trade. Yeah, I will take that trade, too. You want to know why? The, the Sox won a World Series? The Sox won a World Series. All right. We'll get more on that later. More on that later is right. But, yeah, so you're looking at a guy in Yohan Mankata that was compared to Robinson Cano, but maybe better, and he's not even been close to anything Robinson Cano ever was. He's a shit show in the field. He can't hit off speed. He insists on on hitting right-handed when he's not that great hitting right-handed. 
I mean, he, nothing about him has been worth that trade. And the White Sox are, are in a position where it looks like that trade's hurting them at this point because they're incredibly average at best this year if they get everything out of everyone that they possibly can. Their rotation's god-awful. Lucas Giolito, who they got from the Nationals, not good at all, still sucks, uh, led the league in walks last year and earned run average. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Figure it out. You guys were supposed to get Machado and Harper this offseason and be a contender. Even if they had Machado and Harper this offseason, I don't know if they are a contender. Because that that rotation still sucks. You're not looking at anyone who's going to be below a 4 ERA. You're really banking on winning all your games by scoring runs. And that barely, that never works. Never works that way. Because the bullpen isn't good enough either. There's no one in that bullpen that gets you shaking in your boots. Not a soul. So the the uh, Chicago White Sox have been a team that's only disappointed. I guess not as much as like Detroit or uh, Kansas City has the last couple of years. But but at least those teams were coming off of something at least mildly successful. They're just paying the price of of success. It's true. Small, the small White market. Sox just keep sucking. Small market success is terrible. But yeah, the fuck the White Sox. Fuck them, fuck them right up until you can't fuck them anymore. That means we're... Are we prepared to be an official anti-White Sox podcast? We can be. I'm okay with that. I feel like if I'm pro-Padres, I have to be anti-White Sox. Let's go. You heard it here, folks. We are officially anti-White Sox. Anti-White Sox. I'll put it in our bio. We only have two, uh, two divisions left, Todd. Oh boy. I'm kind of curious about this uh, NL East. It's interesting. It's real interesting because I think the team that lost the best player might be the best team. Buddy, you and I are on the same page. All right, tell the folks why. The Washington Nationals are going to win the NL East. For this, this one word pitching. The Washington Nationals' top three starting pitchers, ladies and gentlemen, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg. All guys that are going to be in the running for a fucking Cy Young at the end of the year. That's a tough thing to overcome. That's a tough thing to beat in a division. When you get 150 innings out of three guys that are probably going to keep your ERA, keep their ERA below three, you're in a position to win a lot of games. When you couple that with a lineup that, especially one through six, Eaton, Turner, Rendon, Soto, Dozier, Zimmerman, one through six, all guys that could go to the All-Star game because of their bats and the fact that your catching position with Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki is probably going to be the most complete catching position in the National League, you're in the position to win just about every game you play. It's the most complete team in the division. It's the scariest overall lineup, I think, and it's the scariest rotation, maybe next to the Mets. The Mets might have a scarier rotation, but it's tough to compete with one, two, three in that Nationals rotation. And it's tough to be the Mets. And it's tough to be the Mets, because we all know what's going to happen to the Mets. They're going to be good until June 3rd. And then everybody's going to get hurt. And then they're gone. But mainly because everybody gets hurt. Because 
DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats, Vargas. I mean, as great as that sounds, Mats is going to get hurt. Syndergaard's going to get hurt. Syndergaard's going to get hurt. Wheeler's going to get hurt. Let's Actually, be real. It's the Mets. Let's DeGrom's be real. DeGrom's going to get hurt. DeGrom is probably the only guy that shouldn't get hurt, and he probably will get hurt anyway. Just because it's the Mets. And then that whole lineup, Cano is the best hitter in the lineup, and he's the oldest guy there. He'll get hurt. Uh, Wilson Ramos will definitely get hurt because they're counting on him being the all-star he was. He's not going to be that anymore. Um, Conforto took a major step back last year. If he even takes a step forward, he's still not going to be what he's supposed to be to lead that team to a to a division title. There's nothing about this team except the bullpen that really lets me know that they're going to be okay. Edwin Diaz is for sure going to be the best closer in the National League. You have Lugo back there. Hector Santiago needs to step up. Uh, but, yeah, this whole thing is just a fucking... It's a mess, dude. The Mets the Mets are going to be a hot mess. They're going to be fun to watch, but they're the Mets. And until they prove prove us otherwise, they're the Mets. And that's... Step right up and meet the Mets. Yeah, meet the mediocrity that is the Mets. I'm hearing a lot of buzz out of Atlanta, though. Buddy, I'm glad that you transitioned to Atlanta because that's exactly where I wanted to transition towards. Let's go. Um, yeah, Atlanta's kind of like this massive question mark because I they were really good last year. In fact, they were so good they won a division last year. But can they repeat themselves? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be division champs. But between having Josh Donaldson in the middle of that lineup and Ronald Acuna... And Ozzy Albies and Brian McCann and God damn it. I mean, the more you look at it, the more you go, man, on paper, this is a damn good team. When you look at a team that has six or seven potential all-stars on it, you can't help but get a little excited. But that pitching staff still scares me, man. Julio Tehran and God, Sean Newcomb. I mean, these are guys that you need to get big-time innings out of that you just... You really haven't ever really gotten big times in big time innings out of, and you're and you're relying on your whole on your on your big time guys to stay healthy and. It looks like a team that's destined to take one quick step back before they can take two more big steps forward, but I think they're in the right. They've definitely gone in the right direction. Obviously, from the last few years, I mean, I don't think anyone anticipated them coming up that quickly, but. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that they're the third or fourth best team in this division. They're certainly not the first, not with the additions that have been made around the uh, around the division. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like the Braves. I like what they're doing. I love signing Donaldson to a one-year deal. Josh Donaldson, the bringer of rain. Uh, he's a great Twitter follow, by the way, if, you, if you're into that. You probably are if you listen to us. But Donaldson will uh, entertain you on Twitter. Uh and Instagram if you're into watching BP sessions because he's all about that life. But, um, yeah, I think the Braves are destined to take a step back. Which leaves us with two teams in that division. Let's start with the Philadelphia residents of Philadelphia. That's what they call themselves. The Philadelphia Phillies have by far the best lineup in that division. Uh, starting with McCutcheon, Segura, Harper, Hoskins, Riamuto, Franco, Herrera, and Hernandez. You've got eight guys that could easily be representatives in the uh, National League All-Star game or All-Star roster. Uh, the big addition is obviously Bryce Harper, whose power numbers project 
to be better than they ever were in Washington because of the hitter-friendly, left-handed hitter-friendly dimensions that are in Philadelphia. Uh, expect that offense to take a massive leap. The addition of David Robertson gives them some real stability in the bullpen. But, as we've said a lot this podcast with teams, that rotation is tough to look at. Um, Aaron Nola is the guy. He might be, uh, he's a top five pitcher in the National League. There's no might be's about it. Aaron Nola is a top five pitcher in the National League. But the fact that Jake Arrieta is your two in that rotation is a problem. Arietta is not a two anymore. Arietta is a four. Let's be honest. He had a three nine seven ERA, I believe, last year in the National League. You can't be a three nine seven and be the guy in the National League. You've got to be way lower because the National League, it is what it is. It's just easier to pitch in. You don't have to worry about the DH. You need to take advantage of that. Arietta did not last year. He's not the same guy he was in Chicago. Uh, so that's where I think this team falters. I think the lineup's great, but I hate, hate, hate that rotation. And although they added Robertson to the bullpen, it's not good enough to get it done. I think Gabe Kapler's team takes a step forward, but not enough steps forward in the uh, in uh, the year of 2019. Which means we're left with Derek Jeter's Miami Marlins. I hear they're very good. We're not even going to talk about the Miami Marlins. Fuck the Marlins. Fuck Derek Jeter and his Miami Marlins. We're Team Marlins, man. Marlins man doesn't even watch Marlins game anymore. He goes and watches all the other games. That's the Jeter versus Marlins man beef is the most interesting thing about that team. Yes. Yes. If you want, we can talk about Derek Jeter being a dick. We don't need to do that. All right, let's go to the AL. The more, last division. More small birds. The last division. We're gonna work backwards in this division. Because I think everyone knows what the top's going to look like. So we'll go backwards. I honestly think the order of this division is pretty, pretty set in stone. I think it is too. I think there's going to be some jostling for one and two. I think that the Baltimore Orioles are an easy last. An easy last. Perhaps the worst team we've seen, maybe. Folks, I looked at this roster. There are not a whole lot of people on here that I think are going to make any waves whatsoever. Um... Perhaps Trey Mancini. Perhaps. I hope Trey Mancini. I like Mancini. The kid's a he just looks like the type of guy that could that should mash. He also led me to a to a championship in MLB the show eighteen. Uh because because that's just what he did. So I'm I'm a big time Mancini guy. Other than him though, there's really nobody in this lineup that I get excited about. So you're looking at a team that's easily going to be the worst in baseball. Uh, Dylan Bundy has been a massive underachiever. Uh, Alex Cobb is a no bueno. Uh, Andrew Kastner, no bueno. Uh, there's nothing about this team that gets me excited. Except for a young man by the name of Michael Givens. He's probably your all-star representative. He's going to be closing games for you this year if you're a Baltimore fan. So, uh, Givens, he's your guy. He's the man. If he can't do it, no one can. And no one can. You know what maybe like the most interesting team in the division is, though? I'm going to bet you're going to say... Well, you said you wanted to work backwards. But I think the most interesting team in the division is Tampa Bay. You know what the second most interesting team in the division is? The Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. You want to know why? Why? 
Because their prospects are coming. <laughs> because their prospects are going to be here soon. Crazy. <laughs> They've got a decent lineup as it is. It's not a lineup that's going to win you like every game, but it's a lineup that will keep you in games. But the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be here probably by June has got me so excited. It's got me hoping, 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 hoping that the guy makes enough of a mark where we have to have to have him have him in the All-Star game, even at like the Home Run Derby. Especially if they're going to have a million-dollar prize at the Home Run Derby. You're telling me baseball wouldn't want their best prospect in the Derby? The guy would come in and put a show on, and probably he probably wins the thing too, unless the you know lights are too bright. But I want Guerrero to have enough at bats so that he has to go to the Derby and has to compete in it, and he gets to be on the national stage because Guerrero is going to be that good. You're talking about the best hitting and power prospect that we've seen in years. He might be a more complete hitter than his dad. That's what they're saying anyway, saying he has a better eye for the strike zone than his old man, but the same power and same ability to go to all fields. That's insane. That's absolutely insane to compare a kid to a Hall of Famer but say he's better than the Hall of Famer. You don't get a lot after that. You kind of know what you're getting with Smoke and Grichik and uh, Drury and Pilar. But if you can get anything, 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 anything out of Marcus Stroman, and I'm saying anything as in like if he can be the guy that you were kind of hoping he would be, you get a really interesting team right there. And it'd be interesting. It's going to be fun to see where they where they go, what type of team they project out to be. We can talk about the most interesting team in the division, though, now. Oh, boy. I love the Rays because they play in that stupid fucking stadium. Nobody cares about them. And they're just like, fuck it, let's win 90 fucking games. Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do this year, too. They're going to come out and win 90 games and probably get that that second wild card spot. Because the rotation is very deep because they're doing that, like, the opener thing which they started last year and they're probably going to they're probably going to use it more this year and they have the Cy Young winner from last year in the name of Blake Snell who just got a nice fat contract extension 5 and 50 which we talked about last pod if you didn't hear that you want to hear me rant about him not getting a contract extension you can listen to that if you want to if you're still here for whatever fucking reason you made it to the AO least congratulations Blake Snell did get that contract extension so good for him He's going to be in the running again for the American League Cy Young. There's no reason for him not to be. And he's got a new battery mate, Mike Zanino, one of the best offensive catchers in baseball. So Zanino's back there. He's going to be slugging away. He's going to be calling games. And you've got Avisio Garcia, Joey Wendell, Tommy Pham, Kevin Kiermeyer, maybe the best, well, let's call him the third best defensive outfielder in baseball. But he's there anyway. You're talking about a loaded team. Austin Meadows, a guy they got from Pittsburgh last year in the Chris Archer trade. You're looking at a, at a lineup that's going to go gap to gap, going to go double to double. They're going to rope some home runs. You're looking at a rotation with Charlie Morton, with Tyler Glasnow. I mean, you're looking at a rotation that's going to win you games. You're looking at a lineup that's going to win you games. And it's all with a budget. You don't see that a lot anymore. You don't see it like as efficient as you're seeing it right now. That's what the, the A's have tried to do. And they're not even close to it. So I think the Rays are going to be that team that you have to look out for. I think the Rays, that team that might sneak in, they could win ninety two. They could win ninety games. They could win ninety two games. They might sneak up and win ninety four games. It depends on if they can beat up really on the Jays and the Orioles, and if they can compete with the Red Sox and the Yankees. 
I think they compete enough to the point where they don't fall out of it and where they grab that second wild card slot. And my thing with, with the Rays is I love the opener. I know you do. It's it's one of those things that's pissing off like the, the talking heads of baseball. But it makes so much sense when you think about it. Like, get your starting pitcher in better matchups, and he will last longer. Hmm. Yes. Like, it's not a hard concept to grasp, but even some of our baseball guys are just like, it's so dumb, it doesn't do anything. It's like, no, it does a lot, actually. And you look at the statistics from it, and it's like, yeah, this shows that these starting pitchers are doing better in games when they're using the opener. The only thing is, you're now using one of your bullpen arms for one inning, maybe two. But if you can overcome that and you have a deep bullpen, and you're not doing it, your manager's being dumb. If you're going to have seven starters on the roster, there's no reason why you can't have an opener. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you have the two maybe best teams in baseball in the same division at the top. You are. So let's talk about the evil empire. Or, for some of you, maybe your team, the New York Yankees. You're already riddled with injury. You're not going to have Severino. You're not going to have Sabathia. So things are going great for you. It looks like Greg Bird's hurt again. Uh, Didi's not going to be able to play this year. So, things are going great. But you know what? It doesn't matter because you're probably still going to hit the most home runs in baseball. By a lot. Because there's... I know you all said Stanton had a bad year last year. I don't know what year you were watching, but the guy was still probably the second best DH in baseball uh, behind a certain man in Boston. Uh, so Stanton's probably going to get better because he's going to settle in. You're going to get a full year of Judge. Uh, you're going to get Troy Tulowitzki in a small ballpark. You're going to get DJ LeMayhew in a small ballpark with a short right field porch, which he tends to go to right field anyway. So expect a lot of home runs out of that out of, out of that uh, second base position. A full year of Glaber, a full year of Andujar. Hopefully he gets better uh, with the glove. You're gonna get a full year of Luke Voigt. I hate Luke Voigt. I know you do. He is the stereotypical Yankee. He looks like it, doesn't he? He should never play for another franchise but the Yankees. He probably God won't. Goddamn, he looks like a douchebag. He probably won't. And you get Batances and Chapman. I mean. What what am I miss I'm missing somebody. Who the fuck am I? Oh, you get Ottavino. You get Ado, you get Ottavino. Like your your bullpen's going to be insane. You've got a great lineup even with the guys that are hurt. You're going to be great. You're going to be fantastic. But you know what you don't have really really is the starting pitching. And part of it's because you're already missing Severino and you're already missing Sabathia, but your guy that's opening up on opening day is going to be Masahiro Tanaka. Then you're going to have Paxton. And then what? What's up? What do you got? Let's look it up right now. Let's look it up. You, me, and everybody else here. Let's, let's look up what the Yankees are trying to, trying to shit out there. J.A. Happ. Wow. A guy that got shelled last year against everybody good. I mean, there's nothing about that team that should, that should get you excited after, after Paxton. Or even after, after Tanaka. I mean, because you traded for Paxton. Which, like, good for you, I guess, but who, who, I mean, what, the Big Maple, is that what you're excited about? A guy that can, like, claim bald eagles or whatever to his name? That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, but it doesn't mean he can pitch. 
you got a lot of guys that are going to be in the mid threes as far your as far as ERAs go, which I'm sure you're going to be you're going to say is enough with the lineup that you have, which maybe it will be for bad teams, for average teams, because you're going to be a great team. But you're not even going to be close to the Houston Astros, and you're not even going to be close to the team that's once again going to finish ahead of you because they have the starting pitching and the same potency in the lineup that you have, the Boston Red Sox. To me, this entire season for the Boston Red Sox is going to come down to two players because you know what you're going to get out of everybody else. You know what you're going to get out of Mookie. Can I, guess, can I guess the two players? You can guess the two players. Uh, is one of them Eduardo Rodriguez? No. Oh. Uh, is one of them JBJ? No. Oh, damn. You want to know the two players I'm thinking of? Who are you, th- who are you thinking of? Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes, all right. And Rafael Devers. Okay. I feel more confident about Devers than I do about, about either... Erod, or JBJ. I know we're gonna get Gold Glove defense from JBJ. Right. That's not the issue. It's what who's stepping up to the plate. Okay, so that's fair. But the reason I say Devers is because Devers is not a notoriously great fielder, and he had a shaky year offensively last year. He either looked great or he looked terrible. This spring, he's been hitting third in the lineup almost all spring in every game he's played. I'm predicting that Cora takes that into the regular season and starts that at least for opening day because he spent all offseason working out. He's been driving the shit out of the ball in the spring. And to think of, like, here's how the Red Sox feel about Rafael Devers. When it came down to trading for Chris Sale and the White Sox were asking for a top-tier prospect, you know who the Red Sox said, no, like, you're not getting no matter what? I'm going to guess Rafael Devers. Rafael Devers. All right, good. That's the type of player they think Rafael Devers could be. The type of guy that they say, even if we're trading for Chris Sale, we're not giving up Rafael Devers. So the Red Sox think Rafael Devers is a middle-of-the-lineup, keystone kind of player. So we're going to have to see if they can get middle-of-the-lineup, keystone kind of player production from Rafael Devers. Something tells me this might be the year that, that, that he takes that next step. And for Matt Barnes... He's their closer? He's the closer right now. Until If he shows that he's the closer... That means that they can still nurse uh, Durbin Feltman. They can keep him down the minors as long as they want, which is going to help with service time and his development. And if he shows he's the closer, then that means that they made the right call and not committing $16 million a year to Craig Kimbrell, which means it means they made the right call, which allows them to extend a J.D. Martinez, to extend a Xander Bogarts, a JBJ, a Mookie Betts, or an Andrew Benintendi. Either way, that money's going to go someplace important. Matt Barnes is going to be the guy that helps them uh, validate their position on Kimbrough and validate their payroll. And if he he plays the way he did in the playoffs last year as the shutdown guy, then it's going to make him look great. If Barnes shits the bed and is a 4-ERA kind of guy and you don't know what you're getting every time he comes out, then that's going to make the Red Sox look really foolish. But I think he's going to be somewhere kind of in the middle. I think he's going to be like a 3-3 kind of ERA guy where he like, he makes you sweat, but he wins, you know, but he's, He's serviceable. He's not going to be an all-star closer, but he's going to be good enough to win to win you all the games you need to win. So, all right, uh, can we talk about Erod a little bit? Sure, because he looks like the anchor of the like he's he's going to be the five in this rotation, right? Um, probably. 
the way it shaped. I mean, that's not like, and that's not like a slap to E-Rod. It's just a loaded rotation. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's not a slap to E-Rod. That's fantastic for the Red Sox. Yeah, because he's a three. If we get, else. if we get the E-Rod, if he lives up to what he can be, and apparently he's been working on some new pitches. Yeah, so he's got this new pitch that we haven't seen yet that apparently has everyone going crazy. I tend to like call bullshit on that though for most of the, like until I see it. Mm-hmm. Until, like, it gets, like, documented or whatever, because, like, there's always some weird storyline in spring training where it's, like, this guy has a new pitch, or, like, he's, like, 30 pounds lighter, and then, like, the kid shows up, and it's, like, he's the same fucking player. It's just, like, he's just perfected his changeup or something, you know? It's, like, maybe he's able to, like, get more cut on his cutter or something. Like, who knows? I'm hoping he comes out, chucks a knuckle. Just, like, has a knuckleball in there? Like there's a all random, player. like, every 11th pitch yeah. knuckle. Just a lot, like a knuckle curve, like uh, like Stephen Wright. R.I.P. Yeah, like uh, if if Eduardo comes out and is and is the guy that that the Red Sox are expecting him to be this year, then look out because then you've got a guy who's gonna be your five. That's a three or two. Yeah, do you have else. it? Well, and that's why I was thinking like, he's my big question mark for that rotation because if he's on his game, that's. One of the best rotations in baseball, if not the best rotation. Yeah, behind Washington and Pittsburgh. So, but we've also seen Eduardo be less than stellar. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely a wild card. I just think that the depth of the rotation in general gives him a little bit of leeway. Right, that's fair. There's no depth in that bullpen if Barnes isn't good. If it's like not Barnes, then it's like, well, we hope Brazier's going to be good. So it's like... Eduardo's kind of in a position where he doesn't have to be fantastic because of how good everybody else is in the, the in that rotation. Because you have Sale, Price, Evaldi, Porcello, three guys of the, three of those guys have won Cy Youngs. Evaldi's, I mean, he's got the talent. I mean, he's not ever going to win one. Just no, but he can still chuck at one or two. He can still chuck at one or two and then throw a ninety mile an hour cutter. Yeah. So, to me, like Eduardo's in a position where he doesn't have to be great every week because he's in a he's in a rotation that doesn't require it. All right, so that takes care of our division previews. Before we head out, uh, just kind of, who are your your picks right now? AL MVP, NL MVP. Oh, AL MVP. Damn. Um, I know who my NL MVP is. I think it's going to be uh, Juan Soto from Washington. It's a good pick. And then my uh, AL MVP is harder because I think the AL is... It's hard to pick against, like, Mookie or Trout. Um, I, so I'm, if you're asking me Mookie or Trout or the field, I'm taking Mookie or Trout. Right, right. Uh, but I... Damn. AL's hard. I'm going with Trout. AL's really hard. I'm leaning Trout, too. I'm going Trout and Baez. We can't both have Trout, though. Fuck you, I picked him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me think. Oh, oh, uh, let's go. I'll go, um, I think Lindor, I think Lindor comes back and leads the Indians to the playoffs. And that'll be enough. So I'm going Lindor, Soto. You're going who? Uh, Trout and Baez. Trout, Baez. Okay, so Lindor, Soto for me, Trout, Baez for Todd. Um, we're going to try and be back and give you, um, who's going to win the World Series, uh, for our Thursday pod drop. Uh, One way or the other, we'll get that out to you. Uh, it's going to be tough this week because I don't know where I'm going to record. But either way, we are done here. That's your divisional preview. You want me to take them out? Dude, I'm fucking exhausted, all bro. Right. Like, I'll, I'll take, take them, them take them all the way out.
Thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, if you want more baseball content, once again, WTP Sports is the place. Uh, we've got a podcast out called The Comic Relievers. I'm sure you'll get all sorts of nonsense with them. Woo! Um, buy some merch. Get a shirt for the goat. We're talking Pablo here, folks, from uh, Backyard Sports. The Pablo Sanchez? Pablo Sanchez. The Pablo Sanchez. Uh, available on the WTP Sports store. Real fucking cheap, actually. It's a nice, uh, like, softball shirt. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Stay thirsty, my friends.